Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Hi, it's great to, great to speak to you. And yeah, Pastor had talked about the year of the table. And I loved it that he talked about there being two aspects to that. One is that you and I this year should prioritize making our table with God, that basically making time, room to spend time with God. But also he talked about the year of the table, uh, making room to be with other people, to build deeper relationship or connection with people. And that really resonated with me when he declared that. Something in my spirit uh, jumped and I thought about the year of the table. And to me, it speaks about community friendship and hospitality. It speaks to me about finding your people or kind of connecting to your tribe, saying, this is my, these people get me, you know, and I get them. You know, it spoke to me of acceptance that leads to authenticity and transparency. You know, it's deeper than, hey, how are you going? You know, it's, a, it's deeper than that. It spoke to me of laughter and tears that leads to healing and wholeness. You know, when you, you can be with people and you can be yourself to the point that you can laugh and sometimes inappropriately and you can cry. You know what I'm saying? You know, those kind of people, it spoke to me about that. And when I was hearing that, it resonated with my spirit. I thought, yeah, I want more of that in my life. That's medicine to me. That's healing to me. You know, I need more of God and I need more of people, you know. And so I want to kind of unpack that. And I was thinking about this. Where do we go to in the Bible? In fact, if you look at the word hospitality in the Bible, it's all over the Bible. When you look at connection to God and to people, it's all over the Bible. It's almost, your problem isn't, you know, to find a scripture. The problem is you find too many scriptures when you try to preach on this topic. But I was thinking about the early church. I thought, where should we go as the church? Well, let's go to the early church. And the book of Acts unpacks the early church. And Acts 2 tells this story. He says that Jesus tells his followers, hey, I'm not going to be with you any longer. I'm going to ascend to heaven. But the good news is that it's going to be better for you when I go because I'm going to be sending the Holy Spirit who's going to empower you now in a brand new way. You've walked with God physically, but you're going to be filled with God supernaturally. He was talking about this transition. So Jesus dies for the sins of the world upon a cross, raises from the dead, but then he ascends into heaven. And the disciples are left, and it basically talks about this group of intimidated people that are in a room praying. You know, And they're kind of thinking, man... Jesus is not here. They're in the transition between Jesus is now gone, but the Holy Spirit hasn't yet come. So they're in this transition period, and they're in this room, and they're praying, and they're waiting. And it says that the Holy Spirit fell on them with power and basically empowered them. It talks about people started speaking different languages, praying to God in languages they didn't even know. That people had gathered in that city from all around the world at that time, and as they gathered together, they heard people speaking in their language, and they were thinking, what's happening here? And some people were saying, wow, this is God. And other people were saying, oh, I think they've just been drinking too much. You know? But people were trying to make sense of what was happening. And these people then, this group of scared people became emboldened to step out and to carry the message of Jesus literally to the planet. The reason you and I are standing here today or sitting here today and worshiping God and hearing the Word of God preached is because the Holy Spirit fell on a group of people, scared believers, many years ago, and that they were empowered to carry this message that is still now being carried. 
You know, and I love it. Our church, now our network of churches, it's called, it's a Pentecostal movement. What's that? That's this. It's saying that, hey, we believe that when God comes upon the people at Pentecost, actually that is for all of us for all time, and that we can't do this Christian life without that empowering. That's what it's talking about. And so what came out of that empowering? What happened as a result of it? One thing is that Peter, who was probably the most least qualified because he denied Jesus three times, jumps up, starts preaching, and it talks about thousands of people made a decision for Jesus on that very day. From scared people hiding in a room, right? Suddenly, bang, this guy's preaching and loads of people are getting saved. And then it goes on to say this, picking up from Acts 2, verse 42, it says this, they joined with other believers in regular attendance at the apostles' teaching sessions and at the communion services and prayer meetings. What's it talking about? It's talking about they gathered corporately, regularly. They came to church regularly. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They sat under the Word of God. And then it says a deep awe was on them all. And the apostles did many miracles. We are seeing many miracles in our church all the time. People are talking about being healed, being set free, breakthroughs. Every week we're hearing it. We have a list of praise reports as pastors that we record, and there is just miracle after miracle after miracle. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other, seeing their possessions and dividing with those in need. It's talking about they gave generously and they supported one another. They worshipped together regularly at the temple each day. And they met in small groups in homes for communion. It's transitioning now from the corporate to a smaller setting. It's saying, yeah, we gather all the time for prayer, for worship, to celebrate God, to hear teaching. And then in smaller groups, we go to people's homes and we go to cafes and we go to places and we hang and we do life together. And it says they, they had communion and they shared meals. So this, these small groups they're talking about, these, these friendship groups that, that, that were so important, often involved food or some kind of hospitality. With great joy and thanksgiving, and they were praising God. The whole city was favorable to them. And each day God added to them all who, who were being saved. Incredible. What a picture. So it's saying corporately they gathered and God encountered them. They gathered in a small group and God encountered them. And then they continually saw other people added in. What does that mean? Well, they must have been inviting other people to come eat with them, to spend time with them. They must have been saying, hey, other people are welcome at our table. Hey, we're pulling up a couple of extra seats at our table. You know, Sure, they were inviting people to the corporate. I believe that. But also they were inviting people into the intimate, into friendship, into connection, often. Often I find that people will belong before they believe. They're looking for the connection, the relationship, before they want to know more about what do you believe. And so I think sometimes it's more important to invite people to, to the intimate before you invite them to the corporate, you know. And so it's talking about this, this model. It's laying out this model. And what's cool about this is that this, this, this activity that means they do things corporately and then they do things in small groups and they have this hospitality, it's birthed out of this empowering by God that fell upon them at Pentecost, right? It's talking about that the, as you connect to God, the outworking is connection to people, right? So they're these scared people, right? They get filled with God. What do they do? They go and impact people. They're these scared people. What do they do? They go meet other people. They gather. They invite other people. They eat with them. They build relationship with them. So the outworking of this empowering is this relationship with other people. And it, Jesus puts it beautifully in Matthew 22, 37 to 39, when he says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second, most important, is similar. 
love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. He's saying this, that as you go deeper in God, you will get closer to people. As you go deeper with God, you'll be propelled to helping and reaching people. That actually, as you get more intimate with God, you can't help but love and get closer and more intimate with people. And the two things are together. They're so similar. What's the greatest commandment? Well, there's two, and they're very similar. They're linked together. So the Scripture's saying, love God, love you, love others. And it's interesting that it says, you know, come to God, love God. And then it talks about love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's an issue if you don't love yourself. If you don't have regard or care for yourself, that's a challenge. You know, I remember when I first went to a rehab to get off of drugs many years ago. And uh, when I went in there, they said to me, hey, you've got low self-esteem and you've got low self-worth. And what you need to do is you need to look in the mirror every day. You need to tell yourself that you love you. That was never going to happen, people. You know, it was never going to happen. There was no way I was doing that. You know, I wanted off drugs, but not that bad. <laughs> you know, it's like I just couldn't do that. You know, if I used to see myself in a reflection of a shop, I didn't like to look at myself. You know, I felt uncomfortable. I didn't care for myself. And so I want to encourage you that if that's you, you need to come to God, get healed, get a hold of who God says you are. Come on, get a hold of who God says you are. Begin on a journey of liking yourself to the point of believing that maybe one day you could even say you love yourself in a non-weird way, right? You know? and, and God's then going to heal you and help you that you're then going to say, hey, I want to add other people in. You can't love other people if you don't actually care for or like yourself. And the Bible takes it that you do. It's very interesting. The Bible just takes it that you, that you like yourself, you know, that you care for yourself. But I'm conscious of there will be people and you'll be struggling with that. So deeper connection with God, it leads to deeper connection with people. And so what I want to ask you, what are you going to do for the rest of 2021 that puts you in deeper connection with God? What does that look like? What does that look like? For some people, it's going to be making room to take walks along the beach to talk to God. You know, for other people, it's going to be on, on your drive to work, you're going to listen to some Bible, and then you're going to speak, and you're going to chat with God. You know, I know a guy who's doing that recently, and the guy's just getting transformed. Every time I see him, it's like, oh my gosh, God said this to me. Oh my gosh, because he's got like an hour and 15 minutes drive. He was really negative because his work was so far, but now he's doing an hour and 15 minutes of listening to the Bible and talking to God, and literally, he's glowing, right? <laughs> so, so maybe it's that, or maybe it's putting on some worship and getting in your room and just worshiping God, you know? I, you know, it's interesting how over time your, t- your connection with God, how you connect with God changes. You know, when I was a new believer, my connection with God was basically primarily based around worship. So in the service, as the worship came, it would hit me and God would minister to me and I would get moved by God. So then in my flat I had, or this apartment I had in, in the UK, I used to basically just, I was on my own, and so I just blast out the worship music and I would just have a full-on worship session. I'm singing out of tune for Jesus, you know. And I would go for it and I would sense God's presence and that's what, that was my connection to God. Now, over time, I got into the Bible. Now, I love to read the Word. You know, each day, I'll open up the Bible. I'll read something from it. You know, that's how I'm more connecting to God now. It's through reading the Word. It's through prayer. It's changed. So the way you connect with God changes. But what are you going to do this year to increase your intimacy? You know, some people, you're going to do an hour Bible study. You know, for other people, you're going to do five minutes prayer before you leave the house. So it's, it's, about, it's not about comparison, but it's about saying, hey, what's my next step? What's my next step? Because deeper connection to God leads to deeper connection with people. And Peter tells it like this in 1 Peter 4, 8 to 9. He says this, Above all, 
keep loving one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> Beautiful. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then it goes on to say in verse 10 and 11, it says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love this. So we're to love one another, serve one another. It involves hospitality, but we do it to the level of gift we have. The level of gift we have. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so in the strength God provides, so that in all things God be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Do you know that God holds hospitality in really high regard, really high regard, that relaxing with a group of friends, God holds in the highest level. I mean, Jesus spent significant time doing this. So when God manifested in man upon the earth as Jesus, right, he chose to spend a significant portion of his time relaxing around a table, around food with people. So God holds this in high regard. You could say that this is a requirement for righteous living. You could say that to live righteously or live rightly or the way God wants to. He wants us to be doing community with other people, you know. Hospitality isn't just for those who excel in the gift because it's very clear in this scripture that in 1 Peter, it's talking about to the level of gift you have, the level of gift you have. So what's it saying? It's saying that for some people, you know, who don't like to cook three course meals and make napkin origami, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah, come on, you're included in this, you know, you're included in this. You know, it's saying that actually we've just got to find a way to do hospitality. It says without grumbling. I love that. If you can do it without moaning, you can do it. You know, come on. Come on. It's saying that actually we've got to find our, our, our way in this. We've got to find a way we can do this. You, know, you might have loved to do French cooking before you had kids, and now it might be more French fries at a fast food place. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's hospitality. You know, it's to your measure. It's to your capacity. It's to your ability. It's to who you are. This is not only the gifted people who want to be on MasterChef. This is all people. Second part in Acts 2 in verse 46, it says this. They met in small groups and they shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness. Thank, I love that. Not stress. Great joy and thankfulness. If you're providing hospitality that stresses you to death, that ain't good. And that ain't what God's talking about. You're supposed to be doing this with joy and thankfulness. Hear what I'm saying? This should not be an onerous thing. This should not be you leave this and go, oh, Pastor Spencer said we've got to have people around. You know, it shouldn't be that, right? You know, it shouldn't be that. It should be, how's it going to work for you? How's it going to fit for you? So I've got a few people I want to run through. And you may identify, you may not be some of these people. The first person is, I should be on MasterChef. You have a table, you love it. It's in a well-decorated room in your house or on the alfresco. You enjoy cooking, you fancy yourself as a potential MasterChef contestant. You love hosting people. You love being around people. It energizes you. You've got plenty of friends in your world that you can invite to come to your table, right? You just need faith to prioritize in your busy calendar space to make room for this. But you know you love it, you just got to make room, you got to prioritize it. Or maybe your faith step is, you do that, but it's with the same people. And what you need to do is your face set needs to be, how I'm going to add someone new in. I'm going to add a new couple in, some new people in to the mix. Person two is, I have an allergy to cooking. 
you're comfortable to gather people, but you hate cleaning before they come, and you just, you got an allergy to cooking. You would rather have a colonoscopy than watch an episode of MasterChef. I'm preaching to some people this morning, right? Yeah, yeah. So look, you need to take the pressure off. This is what you need to do. You need to decide that my year at the table is going to only be done in restaurants or at barbecues at the beach. Come on. Liberation is rising. People are getting set free. You know, there's some people here and you think, oh, my table's not good enough. My table's not good enough. It's not as good as theirs. And you don't feel comfortable inviting people to your table. You don't feel comfortable hosting you know, so maybe what you could do is maybe you could get some friends to bring the food. Maybe you could co-host. You know what I mean, I, I can provide the place, but could you bring the food? You know, and maybe they're going to help. In, you know, chat with people, and they're going to help. Maybe that's not you. Maybe they're going to help with that. Or maybe that's that's a stretch too far. But maybe this year, what God's talking to you about in the year of the table is accepting an invitation to someone else's table. Maybe your year of the table is I'm going to accept an invitation to someone else's table. And I want to encourage you, if you invite people who are broken or hurting to your table, do not be surprised if they say no at the first offer. You know, when people are feeling uh, hurt and isolated in life, it's a big deal to come to a table. You know, and so what we need to do is we need to understand they may not come at the first invite, but we need to keep on inviting. And we need to let them know, hey, there's a space for you here for when you're ready to come, you know. We need to include hurting people at our table. In the Bible, the word hospitality is taken from two Greek words, philo meaning love and xenia meaning stranger or guest friendship. Crazy, right? So the word hospitality means love and then stranger or guest fellowship. So building relationship with someone you don't yet know. And so I want to encourage us that we need to have a, a simple attitude of that of how I'm adding one in. I'm adding someone in. I'm inviting someone else that I don't yet have relationship into some kind of connection. It's a willingness to welcome people into your home or, or into your space without, that without um, an invitation, they wouldn't belong there. It's inviting people into your home, into your space, that if there wasn't an invitation, they wouldn't belong there. That's what it's talking about. And so we need, I believe, to believe to do this issue. We need to step out in this area. We need to hold a space at our table. You know, we need to hold a space at our table for the afflicted or the vulnerable and let them know that there'll always be a place for them. You know, it's, it's interesting that because, you know, for some people, if you invited them to this table, this would be uncomfortable. This table would be intimidating for some people. When I first came to church and people invited me to the family dinner, it was uncomfortable. It was alien to me. It didn't, it didn't fit me. That would not be a good first invitation for, for Spencer, just, you know, six weeks off drugs, stumbles into your church. Not this table, but a fast food table or, hey, come to the park. A few of us are having a little barbecue, nothing, very, something very simple. You don't need to bring anything. You don't need to bring anything. Just come. That would have been way better for me. You know what I'm saying? So we've got to think about the table if we want to include hurting People, broken people, or people who are on a journey into relationship. People, they may not even be hurt or broken, but they may not be people that are big on connection and relationship and groups and crowds and people. They might not be people, people. We've got to ease them in. We've got to consider how they're going to feel. You know, and we need to be careful not to compare tables. There's a lot of table comparing that can happen. We need to not do that. 
you know, your table might be a Macca's or it might be Nando's. It might be a barbecue table in the park. It might be a park bench with some snacks the kids play, right? It might be a restaurant. It might be in your home. It might be in a friend's home. You know, your table could be, be physical. It could be virtual. You know, maybe you want to connect with some people in lockdown and you're going to do, I don't know, a Zoom, a virtual Zoom table with some food. I, think about it. I don't know how that would happen, but we, you know hear what I'm saying? We need to think outside the box on this. Your table can be two people, it can be 20 people. It's definitely a smaller group. You know, I don't think it's 100 people, but it could be two, it could be 20. It could be made up of family, work colleagues, friends, other students, parents of your children's school friends, church friends, or a mixture of all of these. Your table, hospitality, maybe an a la carte degustation meal at a top restaurant, or it may be a takeaway coffee at the park. You know, it can be all these things and any of these things. We need to keep on adding extra chairs, though, around our table. You know, in Acts 2.47, it says, Each day God added to them all who were being saved. The early church rapidly grew through relationship, through relationship. You know, they grew rapidly as they kept on adding people into community. This means that they understood, don't only invite the people that you usually invite but keep on inviting new people. We need to be looking all the time for new people in church. We need to be inviting them, not just to church, but out socially to things. We need to include people, add one in, pull up an extra chair. I see it like just, just add one extra chair in or two extra chairs in. Now let's, let's do this. Let's make a way to do this. You know, in Genesis 18, it's amazing when it talks about this. It talks about that when you host strangers, and what I mean by that is people you're getting to know, in Genesis 18 it says you could be actually hosting God. So this is, when I talk about God putting value upon you of the table, listen to this, you could be hosting God. In, in, in Genesis 18 what happens is that Abraham is yet to see the fulfillment of his promise that he's going to have children as numerous as the seashore and that God's going to do all these amazing things through him and his wife Sarah. They're yet to see it. But it talks about in Genesis 18 how three strangers came near to where they were. Three strangers moved to the area where they were. And Abraham quickly invited them in. And it says he made, he made a big deal of this. He invited them in. He looked after them. They, they sacrificed the fattened calf. You know, They put on the best they could and they served these people. And then it turned out that these three people, interesting it was three, was actually God. And that God speaks and says, now the fulfillment of all that's been promised to you will come about. Sarah will have a child. And she was way past the age of being able to have a child. They'd, they were giving up on the dream. And actually, God spoke into them through that. So maybe there's someone that God wants you and I to add in that's going to affect our destiny. Maybe there's a stranger, someone you don't yet know well, who you're going to invite in and they're going to be the key to your future. I don't know. Are they going to be someone who's going to launch you into your career? Are they someone that's going to share a truth with you about God that's going to change and shape your future? You know, I don't know. Are they Are going to introduce you to the person you're going to marry? I don't know. But we need to be having an attitude of, I am keep on inviting new people in. Keep on bring. I keep on adding a chair. I add a chair. I bring people in. I do it in a way I'm comfortable with. Find an environment I can work with. If I can't do it on my own, I bring others to help me do it. But I have an attitude of I want to keep on meeting new people. I want to keep on bringing new people in. Why? For them and for me. For them and for me. I want other people to get in, in on this good thing that I've got. I don't want to keep it. I want to share it. I've got to give it away to keep it, right? But at the same time, I know that other people have so much to give me. 
so much to give me. You know, you can get a lot of someone who's not a believer. I, get, I love getting around all kinds of people. I get around many people who don't yet know Jesus. So I class that as a privilege and an honor. It's awesome. And I get so much. I learn so much. And so I want to encourage you. We need to keep on getting around new people. We've got to add in an extra chair. And just finally, we go if the band could come. I just want to finish on this. In chapter 15 in the book of Luke, Jesus tells this story of two sons. And one son, it says, comes to his father and he says to his father, hey, give me my inheritance now. Which really saying is, you may as well be dead to me. I just want what you can give, not who you are. He takes the money and it says he squanders it in wild living. You can put into the brackets your definition of wild living, but I can think of some pretty wild things where that money went. Right? So he spent all that money, and then he basically it says that he's in a situation where he's feeding pigs. Now that's symbolic of this guy's at the end of the road in his life. He's got to a place in his life where he's feeding pigs. If you're Jewish, you don't eat pigs, they're unclean, and you're now the servant to feed them, it's got pretty low. And so it talks about how this son has got to this place where he, he, he's at the end of the road. He's, 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 he's out of ideas for life. He's at a place where he can't see a way forward in the future. And it comes to him, and I should go back to my father. I should go back to him, and I should say to him, hey, just make me a servant. I don't expect to be a son, but just make me a servant. And so he makes his decision, and he begins his trip home, and it talks about how he's planning his speech as he approaches the father, and it's Jesus that tells this parable, this story. And it says that while the young man is still a long way off, the father sees him because the father is already looking for him. The father is already waiting for the son to come home to him, right? And so the father's looking, and the minute he sees his son, he runs to the son. And the son's ready to deliver his speech, like it's a repentance speech. Would you forgive me? I've done so many things wrong. Just make me like a servant, but I'd be better a servant in your house than where I'm living now. And this is what the father does, embraces him, loves him, welcomes him back and says, hey, let's eat. And he brings together food and family and people, and they gather, and the son is completely restored. And that picture is a picture of the whole of humanity. It's an invitation for the whole of humanity to come home to God. I'm the son in the story, and the father is God. You're the son in the story, and your father is God. And God's saying, hey, come home, come home. And how does he depict it? He depicts it as hospitality. Hey, let's sit down, let's eat, let's spend time. It's not rules, it's not regulation, it's not authority, it's love and joy and peace and relationship. I love that. Of all the things God could have picked to describe it, He picks that. He picks that. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.